the Ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back, listeners. Dr. Jason Patterson is an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in foot and ankle, and he practices in Phoenix. I have not heard of distraction orthrodesis. Dr. Patterson, can you please tell our listeners what this is and how it works? Yeah, distraction orthrodesis is more just of historical nature. I don't know if there's many people out there doing them. I think this was developed by surgeons and, and done by surgeons who who are trying to just avoid doing a joint replacement on a younger patient. So what you basically do is you scope the ankle, uh, clean up the arthritis a little bit, just try to debride some of the inflammation in there. And then you put them in what's called an external fixator, which is large stainless steel pins that go into their, their tibia and then in their foot that stick out the skin. And then you connect it by bars, uh, almost like an erector set, and you distract the ankle. So you actually pull the ankle and distract it and you leave it like that for three months. And so this pa- the patient has to walk around with, with these pins sticking out of their leg and foot connected to the to bars and have their ankle distracted with the hope that it'll generate some kind of either new cartilage or, or scar tissue in there that'll help cushion the arthritis and prevent pain. But it's fraught obviously with complications, lots of infections from the pin sites. And it doesn't work. You know, that's, the, that's the main thing. The, the research shows it gives them maybe a year or two of pain relief. So to put them through that kind of procedure and recoveries is probably not worth it. So um, I've, I've never done it. I did it in training. I haven't done it since. Um, I think it's pretty much gone away. And can you please tell us about osteotomies and when these might be indicated in the treatment of ankle arthritis? osteotomies is when you cut the bone and realign it. So when someone has a lot of deformity, maybe from a previous fracture and it's caused their leg to be crooked and their ankle to wear out asymmetrically. So they wore out one side versus the other. You could consider doing an osteotomy where you cut the bone where it's crooked and straighten it out. And that'll distribute the stress back on the healthier cartilage. So that's a, that's a very good option. I think for certain patients, there's not many that, that that would be applied to, but I certainly I've done those and I still do those. And I still consider those in some patients if we're trying to avoid doing a, a joint replacement or joint fusion. Okay, total ankle arthroplasty. Dr. Patterson, there are a variety of implants you discussed. A couple of questions. Do you use cement or no, or do you use stems or no? Yeah, so I, I think this is, again, we're getting into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of an ankle replacement and the controversy. There used to be only several implants out on the market, and now with the success of ankle replacements, there's a lot more options. So it's very surgeon-dependent on what they prefer to do. One of the questions he asked is whether you cement the implant in or don't cement it. I think the uh, the knees are often cemented. You, you put a thin layer of cement between the bone and the implant, that'll secure the implant to the bone. Uh, for the ankle replacement, most of us, although this, this is still considered off-label uh, from the FDA, most of us, if not all of us, do not cement the implant in. The, the implant actually has a coating on the surface of it that's designed to allow bone to grow into it. So if you put cement on it, it won't allow the bone to grow into it. But when they were being researched through the FDA, 
it, it was done through cementing. So that's always just kind of been considered on label or FDA. So technically, I think the majority of us, if not all of us, put in ink or placements, quote unquote, off label. In my opinion, that's much better. You want the bone to grow into the implant. I think it's much longer lasting than having cement. And if it ever has a problem, meaning gets loose or it gets infected, which is rare, but it can happen with a joint replacement. It's much better if you don't have a cement mantle to, to deal with to get out. The implant company I use does offer a stemmed option, which is very helpful for my practice. So if I have a patient with very poor bone quality, if they've had bone loss from, from previous fractures, if they've had bad deformity, then I'll often use a stemmed implant versus not a stem. That's just discussing a, a part of the implant that goes up into the tibia to provide more stability and more options for bone growth. So I think all the other companies do not have a stemmed version. And I worry about putting in an implant in osteoporotic bone or a patient that has very difficult deformity that does not have a stem. And I've seen, I've seen failures from that. So I like the having lots of options and I tailor the implant to the patient that I'm putting it in so that they're getting in my, what I think is the best implant for them that's going to last them uh, their whole life. I give lots of talks now about ankle replacements. It's one of my passions. Obviously, I, I love it. Uh, that's why I'm here talking about it. I, I think it's some of my happiest patients are my joint replacements. So I'll, I'll do it after fractures. I'll do it after patients have malalignment, that they've had just failed non-opera treatment. And, and these patients that'll get these, these ankle replacements will come in and just just grateful that we've you know we've changed their lives and given them their quality of life back. Uh, one of the questions I'll typically get though is, is how long will these last? And unfortunately no one knows. Um, I, we do know that if you put it in straight, uh, if you put it in properly, which typically is needs to be done by a surgeon who does a lot of these, that the more you do, the better you get at them for sure. And we're hoping they'll last 10, 15, 20 years or more. In the um, lab, they're, they're lasting a very long time. And so we're hoping that that pans out. I'm part of a study looking at that exact thing. So we're hoping that the, that the implant survival rate is going to be similar to knees and hips. But it can be revised. That's why, you know, we asked, we talked earlier about doing them in younger patients. That's why if it was me, you know, I'm in my early 40s. If it was me, I would, I would have an ankle replacement if I needed uh, something done over a fusion because I know that if it does wear out when I'm in my 50s or 60s, I can I can have it revised. And that's even in 2023. And I'm sure 10, 15, 20 years from now, the technology is going to be even better. So um, that's that's usually my go-to. And I will see patients maybe two or three a year that have had an ankle fused. And we can take down the fusion and put in an ankle replacement. So that is an option. And that's something I do. And those are also very happy and successful patients at 30 or 40 years of having a fused ankle. They get it. They get it replaced, and they have motion again, and and they're very happy. So, uh, it's just exciting to see where we've come with ankle replacements, and honestly, where we're still going. Uh, I think there's still there's still lots of lots that we can learn and do, and it's just it's just a cool option for many patients. Dr. Patterson, thank you for being on the Ortho PAC. For sure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Dr. Patterson recently gave a talk at our Phoenix meeting titled "Ankle Arthroplasty: Where Is the Love." I hope to see you in Charlotte this May. We have our annual spring meeting, May the 5th and 6th. If you have any questions, please look at paos.org under CME.